Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Resident Evil Lorecast, the podcast that will explore the various mediums and lore of the Resident Evil franchise, such as the video games, movies, novels, and more. And here are your hosts, Ariel, Daniel, and Aaron. Got something that might interest you. <laughs> well, welcome back to the Resident Evil Lorecast. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me are my fellow hosts, Ariel. Hello. And Daniel. Hi there. It's the same thing every time. Every time. Hello and hi there. All right. So today we're going to be diving into my favorite. RE3. Stars. Stars. Greatest enemy of all time. Changed my mind. (laughs) We don't have enough time for the episode. Oh, God. All right, so there's something I want to do for this episode. I want to read a fan review. And this one uh, comes to us from The True Arisen. And it says, Good RE information. I was first introduced to the Resident Evil back on RE2 Original. I have played from RE0 to RE8 outside of RE Revelations 2. I have beaten the games many, many times, gotten all the trophies and unlockables for the games that have them like RET Remake, RE4, RE5. Sorry, I didn't get into the RE6, but the same with RE7 and making my way through RE8. With that long-winded introduction, I still feel like I don't know a lot about the games and the interesting facts that one may discover via the journal entries and hidden Easter eggs. I enjoy this podcast enough to listen to the episodes and subscribe for future episodes, but would like to hear more fun facts, Easter eggs, and connections between the storylines of each game and characters. Well, the reason I wanted to read this one out, and thank you for the review, by the way, is because starting with RE3 and moving forward, we have enough material to make the connections. Wouldn't you guys agree? Yeah. So it's it's kind of hard with the Resident Evil universe to make connections from the very get-go because there's not a lot to go on until you talk about the first three games. So from moving forward, we're going to do those connections. Also, we hear you and we really appreciate your feedback. So we're going to go ahead and add the Easter egg section because you're right. It would be amazing. And we've been thinking about it for a while and we're just going to go ahead and add it. I'm pretty excited about some Easter eggs. I am too. (laughs) But again, thank you for your review. So, with all that out of the way, let's get started. Daniel, you're up first. All right, I have the summary, which is real similar to a movie summary. So, in the summary, it is the the first half of the game occurs 24 hours prior to Resident Evil 2, and then the second half takes place two days after. The storyline expands upon the settings and events of the T-Virus outbreak in Raccoon City and concludes with the fate of the city and its infected population. And here's kind of an Easter egg, but 
we touch on later, the game storyline was later used as the basis for the 2004 film Resident Evil Apocalypse. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yes. Yep. And that sort is, of, sort of, kind of, yeah, yeah, with some dilution to it. <laughs> some, some, yes. <laughs> that is what I have on summary. All right. That means I'm up with. Let's talk plot. Ah, yes. So, in her attempt to escape a ruined and zombie-infested Raccoon City, Jill Valentine decides she must fight her way out of the city, which had been reduced to complete chaos. Wait, decides? (laughs) (laughs) After almost being eaten in her initial escape attempt, on September 27th, she made her way into a warehouse with Dario Rosso, where they waited out for another day before she finally gives up on waiting for a rescue party. Dario refuses to leave and locks himself up in a crate. She stumbles onto fellow STARS member Brad Vickers by chance, saving him from a zombie attack, although he is bitten. He warns her of an unknown threat and that they would not make it out because he's after STARS members. There's no escape. (laughs) Jill heads to the police station, searching for a way out of the city. Brad runs runs to the station after her, warning her to run. He is then overpowered and killed by the threat he mentioned previously, the Nemesis T-Type. She escapes two encounters with the monster in the station and heads downtown to find the source of an emergency radio transmission coming through the RPD's STARS office communication system. She comes across the source, a mercenary named Carlos Oliveira, who works for Umbrella's Biohazard Countermeasure Service. Carlos! Carlos! Jill initially doesn't trust him, working for the company that caused the disaster in the first place. After helping her survive another encounter with a nemesis, she begins to trust him. Carlos mentions that there was an escape plan set in place as a contingency in the event that their mission failed. A helicopter is to land near the clock tower once its bell is rung by evacuating mercenaries. To get to the clock tower, Carlos, Sergeant Nikolai Zinoviev, Zinoviev? Sorry, I can't pronounce that. And Captain Mikhail Victor, who is injured, plan on using a tram to reach the tower rather than dangerous roads outside. The tram doesn't work, so Jill and Carlos have to find materials needed to get the tram working again. Nikolai is apparently lost during their search. Oh, Nikolai. Once the materials are collected, they proceed on the tram and are attacked by the nemesis. Mikhail sacrifices himself for his squad mates and detonates an incendiary grenade, which knocks the nemesis out of the tram. The tram loses balance and crashes, luckily into the outside wall of the clock tower. What a coincidence. Jill and Carlos manage to ring the bell after solving several puzzles. Unfortunately, the helicopter is shot down by the nemesis, forcing Jill and Carlos to fight him. The nemesis is defeated, collapsing in a fire after his rocket launcher self-destructs due to Carlos's gunfire. But during the fight, during the fight, Jill is infected with the T-virus, 
Carlos takes her to a chapel within the clock tower for safety. Later that week, on October 1st, Carlos heads to a nearby hospital to find a way to cure Jill's infection. Carlos encounters another UBCS member who has been shot by Nikolai, revealing him as a traitor. He then tries to open a safe booby-trapped with explosives. After creating a T-virus vaccine from enveloped machinery and samples, Carlos heads back to Jill. Unaware of what Nikolai has been doing while he was preparing the sample, he is surprised to find that C4 plastic explosives have been planted around the hospital. He manages to escape the building before it is destroyed. When Carlos injects Jill with the vaccine, the T-virus in Jill's body is put into a dormant state and is not destroyed as she believes. And together, they head to the nearby public park, hoping to find a new route of escape. Jill finds a small hut in Raccoon Park Cemetery with a secret room, which is being used as a base of operations for the supervisors. The body of a monitor is found nearby with a bullet in his head, indicating that Nikolai has beaten her there, though Jill is unaware of his treachery. Jill reads a file which explains to the supervisors that Umbrella cannot lobby for more time any longer and that Raccoon City would be destroyed in a missile attack. Jill leaves, but as she does, a message is sent through the radio system, telling the deceased operator that the mission has been terminated and that all survivors are to return to base. Nikolai then reveals himself to Jill and prepares to kill her, but a gravedigger below ground makes Nikolai leave in a hurry. Jill manages to kill the giant worm and discovers a route to a factory which turns out to be a waste disposal factory for Umbrella. She and Carlos meet up and find out that there is a way out of the city, a helipad with a chopper on it. Unknowingly stumbling into the waste processing room, Jill is locked in with the nemesis and must defeat him and recover a keycard to escape. Leaving just in time, the nemesis's body is released into a pit containing a corrosive acid. Depending on choices made by the player before reaching the facility, the chopper can either be piloted by Carlos and Jill escaped with him, or Nikolai beats them to it. If Nikolai steals it, he and Jill exchanged words, with Nikolai taunting them that they won't be leaving and they would die when a thermobaric missile is launched, due to impact in a couple of minutes. The player also has the choice of destroying the chopper or attempting to negotiate with Nikolai. Either way, they would not be leaving with that helicopter. As Jill heads to the helipad, the radar receiver she picks up alerts her to the approaching missile, and at this point, the player has 15 minutes to find a way to escape. Jill heads to the helipad but encounters the nemesis one final time, heavily mutated after previous defeats and she defeats it using a large railgun and a magnum. Jill and Carlos both reach the helipad, at a loss of what to do as the sun rises over the city. Another helicopter lands and rescues them, the pilot being Barry Burton. The city's final fate is resolved in the game's finale. The U.S. government, after hearing of unsuccessful efforts to avert the T-virus infestation, 
completely destroys Raccoon City with a thermobaric missile strike. And that is that on the plot of Resident Evil 3. All right, well, let's piece these puzzle pieces together. So we're going to try to piece RE1, RE2, and RE3 together. So we'll start with the events of RE1. After the events of RE1, Jill, for roughly about two months after, she is chilling, trying to deal with the aftermath and what's happened in her life. And then, boom, the events of RE3 begin to happen. Now, as you play, the first... RE3 takes place 24 hours prior to... The first half takes 24 hours prior to RE2. When RE2 kicks off is roughly right around where you get to the police station and you're just clearing it. That's where RE2 starts to take place. We know this because of one of the Easter eggs that I was going to reveal later, but it's perfect for now. Uh, when you are going out to first go to the rail cars in RE3, you can actually see the explosion in the aftermath of the crash from the beginning of RE2 where Leon's cruiser gets hit by the semi. So that's how we know we can confirm that that's exactly when RE2 events start to take place. I didn't really, I didn't really know that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is, this is one of my favorite games. Um, so when that's all done, if we piece all of them together, at the end of RE3 is exactly at the same time as RE2's ending. So that's where we start to merge storylines is right from the police station continuing forward is where we merge the storylines, which means Leon and Claire are always one step behind Jill and Carlos. Yeah. So that's where those events line up. Yeah, that's a pretty... Three does do a really good job of integrating into two. Yeah. the I will say that the designer team really took their time with RE3 piecing the entire storylines together. It, it's almost... When you look at it, it's almost like oh, RE1 and RE2 are their own separate entities. But RE3 is where they really merged those. Yeah, I like how they started it before two. Yeah. Yeah. And and it makes sense because if you're throwing Jill into a second zombie situation, it would only make sense that there's a few months before it comes from the mountains down to the city. Yeah. Oh, poor Jill. Yeah, she really got the short end of the stick on this one. Right? Yeah, because she was in the city when everything happened, while the other two came from outside the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now that we have our storylines aligned, let's talk Easter eggs. I have a list here. <laughs> so our first Easter egg is enhanced ammo. Now, some of, some of the people who've religiously played this game over and over again might already know about this one. But when you get the ability to craft ammo with the uh, item, if you continually craft ammo through the powder, eventually you'll be prompted, Will do you want to create enhanced ammo? If you select yes, 
you will get enhanced ammo for whatever ammo you were creating. So if it was shotgun, you'll get enhanced shotgun ammo. If it was handgun, you'll get increased handgun ammo. These ammos deal extra damage, and they're a lot heavier hitters. Another Easter egg that a lot of people might not know about is if you play on hard mode, if you each time you defeat Nemesis, you actually can get an item drop. So the first time you defeat him, you'll get two separate pieces of a gun. And when you merge those, it will create the Eagle 6.0, which is the most powerful handgun in the game. After that's done, you defeat him a third time, you'll get a uh, medical supply drop, which gives you three health sprays in one canister. If you defeat him two more times after that, you will get weapon parts to create the Western Custom M37 Shotgun, which is the most powerful shotgun in the game. And if you defeat him a final time after that, you will get yet again another medical kit with three more health sprays. However, if you complete the game, go back in and beat him a seventh time, you'll unlock an infinite ammo crate, which you can attach to any gun that you have in your inventory, and it will unlock infinite ammo for it. So... I didn't know about that one. I knew about the other parts. I did not know if you beat them a seventh time going back through the game, you get that. That one sounds pretty cool, but extremely tedious. So tedious. Yeah. Tedious and hard to do. Uh, And on that seventh time, though, that seventh time. It's a magic number. Uh, Another Easter egg. This This one's kind of funny. You go to the clock tower. The minute you walk in, there are two circular pictures uh, against the door. (laughs) <laughs> this is this is lawyers. One of the pictures is of Alex Mack from the old TV show on Nickelodeon. The girl with the superpowers. That's pretty funny. <laughs> um, on pictures, we talk posters. As you travel through the city, there's actually a poster for the RE4 game. Now, that was the game that was in development at the same time as RE3, but was scrapped and repurposed into The Devil May Cry. Which a lot of people didn't know about because I did not know that RE4 was actually scrapped and merged into Devil May Cry. I didn't know that either. (laughs) So there's a couple other posters. Dino Crisis is one of the posters available and there's a Capcom advertisement poster available as you walk through the city. This one is my favorite though. This Easter egg. If you go to the gas station, there is the Back to the Future DeLorean sitting outside the gas station. Yes. And on the same note of the Back to the Future, when you go to the Raccoon City Police Department, there's a bulletin board there with a bunch of photos. If you look at the photo very carefully, it is a photo. One of the photos is a photo of the cast in the uh, Back to the Future where they're in the Wild West, where they take the photo. It's all three of them standing there and it's a lot better image quality than it was because it actually appears again in RE2. It's actually featured in the uh, RPD uh, Stars Unit office. That's awesome. <laughs> the There's a couple other photos from other movies. One of the movies is uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral and a couple other ones you can't really make out there because they're kind of pixelated, but those two are really prevalent. You, this one's not really so much of an Easter egg, but I thought it was interesting. You can actually shoot the rockets. When Nemesis appears with a rocket launcher the first time, you can actually shoot the rockets. And 
he only has a maximum ammo capacity of eight. So if you shoot all eight rockets, he actually throws the rocket launcher. And even if you don't shoot him, if they, he just disposes them, he'll throw the rocket launcher in favor of chasing you down hand. Nemesis is just terrifying. He's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> That's why he's my favorite. So there's another one. Again, not really so much an Easter egg, but it's interesting. I didn't know until I, you know, researched it. When you go to the fountain area, there's lanterns hanging. You can actually shoot those and cause them to explode and put fire all across the walking map area. There's another one here. This one is a little bit of an Easter egg. In RE2, we had the Ivy plant monsters in the original game. There's actually one in RE3 when you go to the uh, laboratory and you are fighting Nemesis. When you get the key card below the zombie that's holding the key card, there is a corpse of an Ivy monster. Did not know that. And the other one we already talked about, I talked about a little early, was the crash site. Now, that was my favorite because that one really did hammer home the tie-ins. I would probably say my favorite would be the DeLorean because I love Back to the Future. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Seeing them in the old West picture would be funny, though, too. (laughs) It would be funny, but I'm not a fan of three just because... The train. Yeah, it was just... I love... Well, of course, I love the first one, but second one wasn't bad, but three just kind of... Yeah, kind of lost it for me. And everyone, welcome to your Back to the Future podcast, where we talk about the lore. Okay, back to Resident (laughs) Evil. Back to Resident Evil. Evil. So I think this is the perfect time when we're getting back into Resident Evil to take our med break. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. All right, there's our gunshots. Time for the mid break. I already know I'm first. (laughs) (laughs) So, last Thursday, the Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City trailer came out. Mm -hmm. And oh boy, what a trailer! Oh, so much to cover in that. Oh, yes, so much. So much in that. But what I'm going to cover today, because I don't want to make it too long is it featured a classic enemy. Is it the liquor? It is the liquor. Oh, yes. And I think it looked pretty good. Honestly, that's the one thing I wanted to touch about with that. I think they kept the look of this liquor really, really, really close to the video game liquor. We've all come to know and love it does. I was excited. I mean, there was already so much like that. You saw Cerberus. You mm-hmm. saw Lisa Trevor. Of course, you saw Lisa Trevor. <laughs> There's just so much to talk about. It. I know. I We're know. all flustered about it. We're super excited. 
But yes, I wanted to touch base on that. There's a liquor in there and I'm pretty excited about it. Well, while we're on this, I do want to take a moment on this because this is this is the big news right now in Resident Evil. Let's talk about the fact that they kept the iconic zombie turn in it. Yes, the, yes, they yes. They even featured it in the trailer and I got so hyped for that. It really... It, Honestly, it seems like this movie is going to do the Resident Evil franchise justice. I am hoping so. I really am. I'm hoping that it's not just they threw all the good stuff in the trailer and the rest of it, you know. I'm still excited about watching it, though. And I am very excited to see what it holds. Now, from the trailer, I I will say this much. From the trailer, I don't know. I can't. Right now, we can't dictate whether or not it's going to follow canon storyline. Because, I mean, they they did snap back and forth between the... It looked like the events in the mansion and Claire getting into the city. So what I'm hoping is we're going to have one of these movies where they do flashback scenes. Yeah, or they could, you know, start in the mansion and then later on in the movie go into the city, which I know there was a two-month time period. But I don't know. I don't know. I've got nothing for it. I mean, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. There's been a lot of critique, but I think when that trailer dropped, everybody's critique just went out the window and everybody just went on the hype train. All right, Daniel, what do you got for us? All right. As always, merchandise on the website otakuplan.com. Okay. They have a Resident Evil Umbrella Black custom name polo shirt, which it runs $24.99. Looks like it is in stock. So you can look that up online and it actually has writing on the back. It's got the umbrella logo on the front and it says our business is life itself. It runs vertically and on the back, it's got a big umbrella logo. It says umbrella corporation. And then the four lines that umbrella is famous for, uh, such as obedience breeds discipline, discipline breeds unity, unity breeds power and power is life. That's actually a pretty cool looking shirt. <laughs> and on the front, it says basically name here. So your name. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm going to have to say a pass on this one merchandise. I don't do polos. I don't like things touching my neck. Oh, well, I, I, I will say it for you then. I want. This is a sad day. <laughs> this is a very sad day for me. I mean, you can get it and just not wear it. Well, speaking of merch, Daniel, <laughs> our merch store is open. I don't know what you're and talking about. And we're going to be adding new Resident Evil merch, uh, hopefully within the next two weeks. So I will post links in the Discord for that. I will post this shirt in the Discord. Yes. Eventually. And here's the thing. <laughs> if you guys happen to get any of the merch that we talk about or have any merch at your, you know, abodes, share it with us in the Discord. Ping us on Twitter. We'd love to see it. Yes, most definitely would yes. love to see it. Yeah. If you want, we can share it on Twitter so that way everybody can see it. <laughs> Well, I don't have a whole lot in the news of Resident Evil because, I mean, honestly, the movie is the big talk of the town. But I do have some news on the Resident Evil 8 DLC. It's not really big, but they have pushed back the DLC release in favor of the movie and in favor of the Oculus game that just came out, the Resident Evil 4 Oculus VR version. They've pushed back a lot of things. They've also pushed back another RE game announcement, and it looks like everything's coming out at the beginning of next year. 
Um, stipulations still are on the rise for what DLC we may get. Although I did hear a new fan theory that I am absolutely in love with. The new fan theory is that maybe we will be able to play some of the background of Lady Dimitrescu. I'm just a fan because she was so prevalent in the trailers and so prevalent in the advertisements and they literally gave her almost zero FaceTime. You're a fan of her because of her assets. <laughs> no. She was a she was an incredible villain and they she, they she, did her dirty with that FaceTime. Yeah, she was. I just there was so much hype for her and so much I don't know the word I'm looking for that um, I don't know I'm kind of over it I mean <laughs> I, I can get that but I feel like she was the perfect starter villain uh, with everything we'll get into with eight I'm not going to go too much in depth right now but I feel like again they did her dirty there's not a whole lot of FaceTime and you're going to show this villain off more prevalent than anybody else I mean, I feel like they could have shown off Heisenberg just as much as her and probably still gotten the same amount of reaction. I mean, I get it. It's not going to be the exact same, but he was a super awesome villain. He was a super awesome villain. However, they're not going to show her much FaceTime because of her assets. (laughs) Well, anyway, on that note, let's dive into the end of the show. And we're at the end of the show. Woohoo. So let's talk characters for a moment. We're gonna we're not gonna go in depth per the use, but we're gonna talk about characters that we're gonna discuss next episode. Normally I do or we do a short little summary of them, mm-hmm. but tonight I'm just going to list the names off. Yeah, because there's there's not a whole lot of description for them that we if we cover this episode it's going to take away from next yeah because i will go more in depth Mm -hmm. this episode i don't want to do that so the list of characters the prevalent characters in resident evil 3 are jill valentine carlos Oliveira, mikhail victor nikolai xenoviv i really hope i'm saying that right brad vickers tyrell patrick Murphy Seeker, Dario Rosso, and Barry Burton. Barry Burton. I think it's kind of cool that they threw Barry in here. Just at the end, just a little, just you know. Little, just a little snip. I like it. I mean, it's, it would it makes sense to have Barry in there. It does, but, you know, he wasn't really, I just liked that nice little, oh, look, here's Barry coming mm-hmm. to save you. Yep. All right, now that we've heard about our characters... Let's talk monsters. All right. And you mean B.O.W.s. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Some of these are going to be as they were in other games. So you'll hear familiar names on this list. So, of course, you have the zombie, the zombie dogs, otherwise known as Cerberus, crows, which are Aaron's favorite, Drain Deimos, Brain Sucker, Grave Digger, Sliding Worm, the giant spider, aerials, <laughs> small spiders, Hunter Beta, Hunter Gamma, and of course Nemesis. 
Yes. Nemesis isn't in this one. <laughs> you sure? Get out. Well, <laughs> you say the spiders, but I was still stuck on the worm. Like, I don't like worms more than I don't like spiders. <laughs> well, Ugh. then you do not like Gravedigger. <laughs> no, do not. Insects, bugs, crawly things, all of it. Nope. So, monsters. We got our list of monsters. Now let's talk puzzles in this one. Oh boy, the puzzles. Just like every Resident Evil game, and hopefully all the ones in the future. A slew of puzzles. Yes. Now, I don't exactly have a favorite puzzle in this. However, I do like the fact that there are several and several code puzzles. Yeah, there were an awful lot in the game. Yeah. I I don't know. I kind of liked that. Nice little break, sort mm-hmm. of. I mean, if you don't mind letters and numbers and trying to figure out codes, but I kind of liked that aspect of the puzzles in this game. The hints were a little bit harder in this one, too. It was. Well, they have to make something a little harder because it's just a code, you yeah. know? I mean, some so. of them were on notes. Some of them were on computer. It, like it, The hints were everywhere versus like in the other games where it's like, a note you found or you know yeah well another resident evil thing just as the puzzles is the backtracking oh my god so you have to backtrack to get back to the puzzles and Mm -hmm. to find the information and yeah but i did that was probably my favorite i don't really have an exact favorite though honestly i don't really have a favorite out of them i loved them all this whole game i just it was my favorite I have the original. We have the remake. RE3 is just downright my favorite my favorite game. Um, sorry to break it to you, but I have the original. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Daniel, what do you got to say about these puzzles? Uh, that I disliked the water sample puzzle. Oh, the water sample puzzle. <laughs> yeah. Because you forget what you're doing at one point, and then you drop a block, and you ruin everything. and <laughs> Start it all over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I will say that it was that was probably the most challenging one because of the it was very time consuming and it was very confusing. It was like a huge game of Simon says and yeah, it was just no. Yeah, it's too <laughs> tedious for me then it just irritates me. I do want to say a little bit off the puzzles here, completely off the puzzles here. The railgun in this one that was a surprise weapon. That was like, you know, usually when you take down the big baddie, a rocket launcher gets thrown at you or, uh, you know, or you have one in your inventory or you just got to take him down with the biggest gun you have. No, you get a freaking rail gun at the end of this one. Like, well, they did make Nemesis extremely, extremely hard to kill. Well, yeah. And stated. Well, since we know what we know, we, we've already discussed about Nemesis, you know, he's not only got the G virus, but he also has the Nemesis parasite. So he's like a combination between these terrible things just makes an all badass killing machine. Who can speak? Well, one word. Yeah. Yeah. Stars. But to take him down, I felt like that was the most gratifying ending of the Resident Evil series. He was was the most anxiety inducing monster. And you know how I feel about Mr. X because I like Mr. X. Mm -hmm. But oh, man. The heart attacks. 
Well, even when you get the infinite ammo, big guns and things like that, he's still a pain in the butt to take down. Yes. You don't get to stop and look at the scenery with him. No. So, puzzle's out of the way, and we've discussed our railgun. Well, I just want to say, overall, 3 is a great game to play. I highly recommend. Not You're not going to get the Leons out of me till the next episode, though. <laughs> so, there's that. But just, overall, this was another great game by Capcom, and great in the Resident Evil franchise. I'm going to give it five nemesis out of five. You can't do that till next episode. (laughs) So we've covered a lot in this episode. We've covered the whole synopsis, the breakdown, and where it all fits in. Because now we can finally start piecing puzzle pieces together. Now that we have the big three, we can start piecing these games together. So we've pieced it together. We went over some of the, the finer Easter eggs that are available in RE3. And I think at this point, it's time for us to bid everyone adieu. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And we hope to catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us tonight on the Resident Evil Lurecast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell a friend. Leave a comment and review. If you want to keep chatting with us about all things Resident Evil, you can find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can also chat with us at re lurecast on twitter till next time stay safe out there and remember we might have something that might interest you stranger what up tonight city you're listening to n54 radio this is dj sparks bringing you a new hit show from night city cyberpunk a cyberpunk red live play podcast listen as a ragtag group slamming on the corpos survive the streets and try to keep from being flatlined you can tune in on spotify google podcast apple podcast or wherever else you get your podcast dj sparks out hello this is charlie transmutation coming to you with another psa announcement No, Charlie. This is a commercial. What? Crap. Nobody told me that. What are you supposed to do in this thing anyway? Well, Charlie, I'm glad you asked. This is the part where we introduce our new homebrew 5e D&D podcast, The Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit, where we explore the homebrew world of Altaris using homebrew rules and homebrew material from the Dungeon Master's Guild. Eh, sounds boring. I'm out of here. See you later, Charlie. We hope to have you guys come check us out soon. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts.